Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling. Brought to you by Zwift, where fun, Brad, is fast. It is. Good. I'm Graham Wilgos. Yeah, you certainly with are. Us, I certainly am. With us, Brad. Uh, Good on you. <laughs> introduce our guest for us. We've got uh, Eurosport's very own Adam Blythe. Welcome, Adam. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Enjoying right. yourself on comms this week for us it's been nice yeah really good i am enjoying the comms but it's always when the breakaway goes typically i think the one nice day was the gravel stage got to do a good bit then but that was good but the sofa is the highlight of the whole show isn't it so yeah breakaway as in the show afterwards that yeah, you've been gurning through or the breakaway going no not the which breakaway we've seen, which yeah. we've seen well, seven, a little, seven little times bit of both really breakaway in the race that's always been a good one to watch there's been a couple of successful ones uh, and the breakaway of the show we've had a lot of fun on it so yeah it's been nice so today's stage, straight into it, boys. Stage 14 of the Giro d'Italia, Cittadella to Monte Zoncalan, 205 kilometres with more than 3,500 vertical metres today. Finishing on the infamous Zoncalan, 14.1 kilometres, an average gradient of 8.5%. Brad, give us a flavour of what it's like to ride the Zoncalan. Well, I've ridden both sides. That side I rode the first time in 2003 with the great Marco Pantani. Um, uh, the first time the helmets became compulsory that Giro, after Andre Kivilev died in Paris-Nice. But you could still throw your helmet. They had a funny rule then, you could throw your helmets away at the bottom of the climb if it was a summit finish. Um, I just remember suffering up the whole way. I was looking at the results earlier, actually. Cipollini didn't start that day. Um, I finished about 10th from last, 28 minutes down. And I just remember it being a grind all the way up. Um, much like today, actually, watching the guys do it. But we were at the back of the race, so it was even worse. I think both sides of that climb are pretty tough. It's, um, I think it gave us, again, a spectacular finish. Bernal seemed to be the superior. Simon Yates came of age a bit more today. He's looking like a bit of a threat now in this last week. Um, Hugh Carthy stabilised, still in fifth, but we lost a few other big hits. Avon Apollo's gone a bit further back. And the stage winner, what a great result for um, a small team. And we saw Contador's reaction at the end then. I'm sure that will be posted around social media. Quite right. He was, uh, he was going nuts, Adam. He was going nuts. Uh, it's nice to see, though, isn't it? I think after all of Contador's success, he almost looked like happier in that video than he actually did winning himself. But it shows what it means, doesn't it? Setting up a team uh, and having that massive, massive success like he did. It um, means a lot to him, but also his team and the sponsors and just proves why he's wanted to start the team in the first place to, to have that success and be able to give the guys these chances. We'll come to Lorenzo Fortunato, the stage winner, shortly. Brad, before we do, back to the Zonkalan, and as a GC rider coming into a day like today, the real high, a real high mountain test for the first time in the race, how do you prepare yourself for that, and how do you how do you approach it? I mean, you, mm. like you say there, you fell away. I think you you, you say you lost twenty eight minutes in in mm. two thousand and ten, um, but you also know what it's like to go into a uh, yeah. attack a mountain like that and really put some time yeah, into your rivals. That, that thought climb is very different because it's uh, we say it's high mountains, it is, it's, but it's only like fifteen hundred meters, I think, the climb, so it's not that high altitude. Um, but it is a climb of severity, it's very difficult, and um, it's just a grind. It's sort of 10, 11, 12% all the way up with height, you know, it pitches up at sort of 22, 23% at the end, but 
it's gear selections, everything. I remember when we rode it in 2010, we rode the other side. Um, I think I had a 32 on that day, um, rear sprocket. Um, and even then, you're still looking for another gear. You know, it's just a grind. It's it's very talky. It's a talk effort. Um, and every, you saw the attacks when they went today. Everything's just a, a slow drift as opposed to like a big explosion. And when Simon sort of just, just sort of crept away, the group just disintegrated, you know, and we saw Ava pole at the back calling for Almeida and it, everything happens in slow motion on the climb when it's that steep. Um, so it's very different to the sort of, like we saw the other day when Bernau attacked on the gravel, um, on the summit finish on the gravel where he won, took the jersey. Um, we saw the time gaps became a lot bigger there, but everything happens in slow motion on the climb like that and that gives you some idea of the steepness, which doesn't always come across on the telly. If you're not one of the GC guys looking to put time into your rivals and you're you're just looking at this as a stage win like Fortunato was, is it how big a motivation is it when you're looking at that as like a legendary mountain to a, to a, to have your name associated yeah. with like we now associate, We're for huge. example, Pantani yeah. with Von Tu or Garrett Thomas with Alp Duez? Yeah, I mean, we saw a little clip from Michael Rogers talking about his win on Zonkalan and, you know, it's such become such a steeped in history and although it's only been into sort of the edition for the last 20 years, but... It's like winning on the Angra in Volta now. You know, they're just, um, if you're going to win a mountain stage, you know, to win on the Alp Duez, Vontu, and obviously most of the climbs of the Tour de France are so historic. Um, but the Volta and the Giro, you know, we've got this, we've got the Gavia, we've got Stelvio, they're, they're, um, they're, they're just, they're, phew, the rest of your career, you don't have to win another race. You can always have one on the Zoncolo. And I'm going to ask you both this question because you both know what it's like to come in in the Gruppetto too. When, when, you're, when you're really suffering on a day like today and you're out the back, you're, I would imagine it's half, half the time you might be struggling for motivation, but half the time it, it, there's a, a kind of a nice atmosphere among the, the guys sort of trying yeah, to make the time not, cut. Yeah, not when you're coming up in a Gruppetto like that on that climb. It's um, guys at the back of the Gruppetto are shouting out to go slow at the front because everyone wants to finish together. It's, it's horrible, isn't it, Adam? It's, yeah, it's, it's not uh, a pleasant it's, thing. It's I think... just a grind, isn't it? Yeah. And you're yeah. scared of dropping off the back of the Gruppetto in case... They're, time's short and you're going to get eliminated and you don't want to be off the back of the group it's just uh, yeah, it's think, not as easy as you think no it's definitely not and I think what people forget is on the before you get to that climb you know we saw them back off today on the climb beforehand form a big group petto and they'll ride faster probably in that valley than the peloton did to try and make up that time so they've got a bit more of a buffer going into that last climb so it is hard but ultimately when you get onto these climbs you tr you've got to try and stay with the guys quite a lot you know stay in that group if you fall off a little bit and you're close to the time limit you got to make that effort and sometimes you don't have the legs but there's not a lot of talking um you get the go slower on the longer climbs where the gradient's not as steep but they take it easy um on the climbs before but that last climb would have just been a slog as much as it was for the guys in the front today welcome to the gates of hell uh, says the the sign at the bottom as, as the riders begin the climb fortunato favors the brave brad is it well <laughs> <laughs> He does. It's a terrible pun. It does. Um, yeah, I mean, he did well, didn't he? He was, um, again, it all seemed to happen in slow motion and even it looked like Chatnik was going to come back at one stage, but I mean, you saw the effort he'd made and when he crossed the line, he was just done. And He was swinging from side to side. Yeah. Right at the um, end there. The only one who looked like he had any acceleration really was um, Egan. When he went, he was sprinting to the line and he's looking every bit of Giro winner now. Indeed. Well, look, before we go any further, here's how Rob Hatch called it for us on Eurosport and GCM+. Plus. Emerging from the mist, above the snow line, on one of the mighty mountains of professional cycling, arrives a rider who has never won a bike race in his life. He's under the guidance of top professionals. His boss won this race 
and this stage 11 years ago. Eolo Kometa are about to arrive on the big time. Here he is, 100 meters for fantastic Lorenzo Fortunato. Simoni, Basso, Anton, Froome, Rogers, and now Fortunato. It's their stage win. Eolo Cometa have done it. Alberto Contador, get that route planner out. What a victory for one of the second division teams. Fortunato, now a household name. Aside from today's winner, you mentioned Bernal uh, a couple of times there. He's put some serious time into the rest of his rivals. Simon Yates went early from the, from the main group. Bernal just stuck on his tail. Yeah. And then Bernal picked his time to pounce. Yeah, um, it looked like we were talking to me and Adam because it looked like he had Bernal on the ropes at one stage. Just sort of, but maybe Simon just accelerated a bit too hard then with a view. And obviously, he would have had Matt White in the car. Matt might have said something like that, you know, like Bernal's looking like he's struggling here. And just, you know, you just go into a little bit too far into the red and probably backed off a bit. And then Bernal just went over the top and clearly had more than, more than it looked. And that's, again, the severity of the climb. There's no recovery. You just go a little bit too far into the red and you pay the price heavily. And Simon, we saw he lost, he didn't lose a great deal of time, but he lost, lost a, 11 lot, seconds a lot of ground in the space that Bernal went. Yeah. Adam, Simon still looked quite fresh today. I was quite impressed with him. He, he, he looked like he can still do something in this Giro. He's only, yeah. on GC, he's only a minute and a half behind. I think as well, he said in that interview, didn't he? He said that there's a few things gone wrong, but he won't go into detail about that, about the first sort of this first week of race in 10 days. Um, so there must've been something wrong with him. Maybe he might've been a little bit poorly or something like that. And that's why we never saw Simon like we did today. Um, but I think he's just getting stronger. And ultimately I think he's learned from his past grand tours that what he has to do, and he might've come into this Giro wanting to gain a bit of form almost through it to start to feel better through it. So at the end of it, he's a little bit fresher than he, than he has been in the past. So he's definitely looking better and better each day. And I just think his main target now will be to how to beat Bernal. It won't be easy for him, of course, but yeah, he's looking on great form. And it's nice to see what we wanted to see from Simon. I think we're all a bit worried at one point, thinking he, he doesn't look like he's got the legs, but show today he's, uh, he's in good form. Do we get the sense he might be holding himself back, having, having learned from... I don't know, you know, I out. think like holding himself back, he, he openly said in that interview, he won't go into details about what happened, mm. but there's obviously been some underlying issue. Uh, no one knows what that is, but apart from Simon himself, obviously. So it might not be holding himself back, but in terms of just riding himself into the race a little bit. And as I said about learning about his previous Grand Tours, he's obviously learned a lot from it and he might be coming into, his, into the best form yet we've seen him. Mm. Brad, but now in pink, pretty in pink, uh, it's surely his race to lose now. Yeah, I think so. I just think I, he's given a little bit of, a, a, bit of um, a clue into the psychology of how they work in that team in his interview today where he spoke about... Um, Francois Kiné, who was giving the interview, said, you know, 136 now on Simon Yates, who's your nearest rival. And again, had to compute that for a bit because he wouldn't, it's not a natural thing to ask what your time gap is. And he was very coy about committing to saying that that's enough. He he was just, it's the classic line in the Aussie, you know, day by day. Um, and there's still so much can happen in this race. And it's a fear of committal in terms of saying, yeah, that's a really good gap. And, you know, I think, that might be enough to hold it and everything's looking good now. There's a, there's a fear of committing to, to almost saying that, yeah, I'm bloody happy with that. And I know what that's like there, you know, it's because that's where the psychology comes from with Dave and that is, is just don't worry about the time gaps. We race each day as if it's a one-day race. Forget about what the time gap is, which is A to B as fast as you can go every day. They've looked so secure and so comfortable. Is this 
the year that we can see, could we foresee Ineos winning all three Grand Tours? Yeah, I think so. I think it's setting up nicely now. If Geraint is, is on track for what I think he's on track for, which is a second Tour win, it leaves Egan to have a summer of you know training, have a bit of a rest after this and come back for the Vuelta and the Vuelta suits him, doesn't it? I mean, I think he'd have won all three Grand Tours then himself, which is obviously what you know a big um, a focus for him to have won all three Grand Tours, especially after last year. Um, and Geraint to win a second Tour, it suits everyone really. We favour Geraint, do we, over Teo for the Tour? Teo will be the first to take, you know, put you know, put his efforts into Geraint winning the Tour. I mean, Geraint, let's not make any mistakes, Geraint is still the big Tour leader. You know, he's the he's the biggest name in the sport for Ineos. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's looking every bit that went Geraint of a couple of years ago. And um, Teo, um, I just know Teo, you know, what he's like. He, 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 he'll be capable of winning the Tour one day, that's for sure. But this year he'll get more satisfaction from helping Geraint win the tour, don't you think? I think so, yeah. I think we're in that team as well. It's not just Teo, is it? Carapaz in there as well. You've got so many guys that are so yeah. good. Even Richie. We know what Richie's like, and I do think that Richie is capable of winning Grand Tour, but there's a lot of things for Richie to deal with to be able to do that. And I think he was at his best uh, in the days when he was this domestic, the super domestic, but that team is just packed full of yeah. people that can win a Grand awesome. Tour. So it, I do think that G, as you say, is the main man for it, definitely without a doubt. But yeah, there's other people that, if anything went wrong, will be right on his heels. Adam Yates' form was imperious at the start of this season. Forgot I mean, about Adam we, as well. We, yeah. think, we think the Vuelta God, yeah. is, is I mean, they just, they've got such strength in depth. You think the riders they've got here, yeah, I mean, it's just, that's what happens when you don't have a budget. You know, you can afford to have everyone. Uh, they've got riders. And... and it almost shows just how bad they did last year, really. I know they won the Giro with um, Teo, but Teo wasn't one of their biggest high-paid riders last year. So um, it, it's it's an incredible unit of, of riders. And yeah, I mean, if they, you know, and on paper, they should they should win all three going tours, shouldn't they, really? It's a, it's a little bit like the old Discovery days a bit, where yeah. I think that they were so good at, they are so good at the Grand Tours, but all the other stuff doesn't really add up to the Grand Tours, you know, the... They're not great in the classics. No. They never have been. They and could it's, be, though, couldn't they? They should be. They should be as well. I mean, I I I did, when I left the sport six years ago, I, I would I tipped Luke Rhodes to win Paris-Roubaix or Flanders by that, that stage. And he's almost gone away from that. And he's now just a, you know, a super domestic, isn't he? And paid to, to ride at the Tour, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, one of the best at doing it, I think. He is the best, yeah. He's the first on my team sheet, really, Luke. He always, he's, he's yeah, fantastic yeah. at what he does. I think as well what we have to remember is we've not seen Pidcock yet. And Pidcock, don't forget, won the baby Giro. We've seen him so good in yeah, the classics. There's another one, isn't there? But Pidcock, you put him in a mix of the Vuelta, you just don't know what he's capable no. of yet. A bit like yeah. Remco, but very much so. you don't know. So yeah, He got... seems to be capable of anything. I mean, he, he beat Van der Poel on the mountain bike mm. last weekend. Yeah. 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 Convincingly as well. Mm. Convincingly. And I think, to, I think to drop in from the road and suddenly do mountain bike, and it shows how good he is at doing it at different sort of levels of mm. cycling. But... You don't really see it so much anymore. It's so focused on one thing that I think, I do think that, yeah, Pidcock is someone that will be able to do that. A little bit like Wout van Aert, in a sense, he's able to support Roglic as well as he does in the mountains. I think Pidcock will be similar. Mm. Back to GC, Damiano Caruso, Bahrain victorious at 151. He's finished top 10 uh, on in, in all three Grand Tours. Yeah. But he, I think he's had a 10-9-8. Mm. Um, we expect him to fall away, surely. He's, he's 33. Yeah, but he's looking good, isn't he? He's looking stronger than um, a few of the other guys. I mean, Remco and those guys are falling away. But I think the good thing with him, though, he's always consistent. He's never like doing anything crazy. crazy. No, yeah, no, he's not. 
And he's got like like experience shows from him a little bit. You, we never really see him too much. He's always there, but it's never somewhere we mention really. Um, just because he's always hiding and always in that right spot almost. And he's just he's not a crazy rider that goes on these big attacks to try and oh, but not get the glory, I suppose, but in a way, get the glory. He's not up for these big, massive attacks. He's happy where he is, and ultimately, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he, I think he will end up on the podium. Pressure's off him as well, in a way, because nothing was expected of him necessarily before the Giro began. Until it was, now. It was, it was Until all now, though, yeah. yeah it's, it, it's strange how the dynamic can change in the teams. There's no pressure to all of a sudden. There is pressure on you now, and you're in third place still. So, yeah, the, the pressure will be definitely be on him a little bit, I think. Yeah, some riders wear that or seem to wear that a lot lighter than others. Bernal, for example, seems to be wearing the the, the Malia Rossa very lightly. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah, seem but to... he's led a Tour de France as well as he's, he's, he's... I know he didn't lead it for very long, but he um, he's, I mean, he's won Tour of Swiss, isn't he? He's, 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 um, he's already a, an old hand at this, so um, I don't think that will phase him at all. And the people he's got around him, Team Car people the riders he's got around him he's um like i said he's, he's actually a really tough cookie on the bike and it doesn't reflect his demeanor off the bike alexander vlasov nearly two minutes behind on gc mm. he is going he's not going the way he wants he's going backwards yeah and i wonder if that was anything due to i mean you can imagine astana they're quite bullish um the, the direction there you know vino krov of course calls the shots and you know vino was never late you know vino his management style reflects how he used to race. You know, he's he's not frightened of having a go and following traditions and things like that. And you just can imagine him saying he he would have called that sort of attack or that kind of downhill when they really took it on. And few people were surprised. Bernal was surprised that they took it on. They made the job Ineos's job a lot easier today. And you know, a young guy like Vlasov, you know, that he probably needs nurtured a little bit. Like he probably needed to get through today without limiting his losses. Um, and that pressure that amounted early on with this committal of the team maybe, you know, was the reason why he cracked a bit at the end there. I think as well, when you look talk about Caruso, that's almost what Caruso's doing, you know. They're not they're not putting the whole team on the front for him, they're not giving him this big opportunity, but ultimately they're putting himself in more of a dangerous situation in terms of we're putting so much pressure on you and we're giving you the opportunity to try and win a stage at this time in the race rather than just protecting where he is and then hoping that Egan, and I think a lot of riders are doing it, he's in the perfect position of mm. second. He's still a lot more climbing to go and if they got that jersey, then what is he going to do? So I think for a safer bet and um, a safer position to be in, they should just try and protect that position and then later on in the race where they see fit to attack, getting closer to Milan, then have a go. But I think it's still quite early and put everything almost on one mountain almost. Brad, like you say there, Astana put in a shift today. Yeah. Unexpectedly. What? Well, to me, unexpectedly. What's it like when you're not expecting another team to ride and they just sort of pick up the baton like that? Are you all sort of... If, so take yourself back to, to riding for Team Sky. Are you all sort of quietly looking at each other going... Yeah, what's going just, on let's here? Just, let's just see how long yeah. this goes. And there's for. a bit of sort of panic a little bit at times, you know, within the peloton anyway. Um, because, you know... There's a there's a there's a sort of um, a pattern to the race, and you expect it to unfold in a certain way. And that it's when it happens unexpectedly like that, like what they're doing. It it's not textbook. It's like yeah, you know, sometimes people do stuff, and you go, oh, okay, we expected that. Yeah, we were right this morning. They're going to do this and try and set up for this. But there's an there's an unexpectedness with it where they take it up. It's like why are they doing this? Why are they riding? I wonder why they're riding. And it's all this sort of comf, comf. and then the directors will be coming through the radio saying, you know, well, Astana are taking it up. I'm not sure why they're doing it, but. Just let them ride, use off the back of them, you know, just because we'll see what they're doing. Or do they know there's something up ahead? There's a wind or there's a crash or, 
and it, it's all a bit like that really and and what pans out and what what transpires is that they didn't really know what they were doing <laughs> well but but i mean that's you know vlasov would not have wanted that he wouldn't have called that as the team leader yeah you know um so it came from higher up in the car and the direction and um i think it cost him really you know they're trying to um, trying to push the envelope out a bit too far and in doing that they probably wrecked the race yeah adam if you're if you're expected to ride if you've got the jersey and another team picks it up for you like that is it is it a sort of free pass in a way and you're like rubbing your hands together like this this is brilliant uh it isn't it isn't i guess i don't really it's not like it's bad and it's not like it's but you still got to be there and perform at the end it just gives you and luckily today that ineos you know moscon didn't have good legs didn't do a pull on the front and in that situation it's like a blessing because the way if ineos had to ride today we saw garner as soon as that group petal on that first climb straight out the back uh to save his legs for the next days and if that had happened where they'd had to ride he might have had to go deeper into the race and then with Moscon not feeling great and pulling out, that's another rider less. So they'd have had to use another rider probably on the front. Um, so it's that misfortune that I think a lot of riders do have and a lot of teams don't, you can't bet on it almost. But today, say if Ineos did have to ride, there'd have been one man down ultimately with Moscon. Uh, you can't predict that obviously, but in terms of what Astana did today, they're not protecting their second place. They're only trying to jump up what, I think is not the impossible at the minute, but the way that Egan's going out of, you know, let him ride into the race a little bit more and let him get a little bit more tired, tire the team out a bit so you can try and isolate him uh, towards the end of the race. But now I, I just think it's too early to be pulling their moves. Do you agree with Brad there? Have they, have they wrecked their race effectively? Uh, I don't think they've wrecked it in terms of, I think Brad said they could have wrecked their race through that move. Uh, they've just made it harder for him. And I think it's almost, they've almost shown Vlasov's weakness in a way. And I think for the other teams, looking at it from, from the outside, they say, oh, look, he's got a crack in his weakness already. You know, we've seen him. He's, he's not feeling as good as what we think he is. Um, so it's just, you know, to the other teams that are looking at him, thinking he's looking good, today was a good sign that maybe they're not as good as they thought. All right. We'll be back with more from the Bradley Wigan Show after this. Zwift is the world's training playground, Brad, where fun takes you further, recreating the outdoor feel of riding on an indoor trainer. Something you can get on board with, I think. It does, yeah. And Zwift have done it very well. And they're now the leaders, aren't they, in that world? And um, they've got the likes of Geraint Thomas on board. And, you know, probably can't get... Your old mate, yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, they, they got, did some involvement with Team Wiggins a few years ago. We joined in one of their shops, Pinarello shop um, races one night and... My son uses it. I watch him during the winter months. Um, it's something I wish I'd had when I was 15, definitely just to, from, a, from a safety point of view when you didn't want to let your kids out on the road in the dark. And, and anyone can use it. So, it, you know, you don't, yeah. have to, you don't have to be G, you don't have to be a pro. You can train with thousands of, of real train, people. Yeah. Like, you can train with anyone. You can ride with anyone um, from the world of pro cycling or from your workplace or school, whatever age you are. Brad, like you say, most of the pros on the World Tour train on Zwift. Yeah, hop on any time, heart pumping, intense cycling, join group rides, events and worldwide races. Um, Zwift has nine worlds too, including the stunning Paris and France maps. They've recreated Tour de France stages, um, which gives everyone a chance to experience them. You don't have to have yeah. been Bradley Wiggins to experience what it's no, like to ride at the Tour de France. Uh, you can hit your kilometres with virtual dinosaurs, raging waterfalls, you can be inside a volcano, uh, James Bond-esque, a wide open California desert, plus you can tour London landmarks. All you need is a bike, trainer and Zwift app. Uh, you can get a free seven-day trial, Brad, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. 
Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show, sponsored by Zwift, where fun is fast. Brad, Adam, help me work this out. What's going on with the Koenig Quick Step at the Giro d'Italia? We've had Almeida and Evenepoel going in as joint leaders. We've seen Almeida lose a shed load of time. Now we're seeing Evenepoel slip back on GC uh, every stage, starting with the Strada Bianchi, where we saw him isolated, Almeida not waiting for him, going up the road, there was supposed to be uh, a communications issue between riders and team yeah. car. We're hearing three, three, three different stories. Um, yeah. And then we see Patrick Lefebvre come out and say, look, actually, we sent Ivanapol into this race knowing that he was going to lose time. And, and we're quite comfortable with that. Yeah. Well, he's playing the... Um, yeah, he's throwing all the excuses out there now, isn't he? But I think that um, there's clearly a bit of um, friction between the two riders maybe not on a personal level, just on a bike riding level. You know, he's the Belgian wonder kid. Um, Almeida's leaving at the end of the year. Um, he's not performed like he did last year, um, but he's clearly got the legs as well. I think the hard bit as well from Almeida's point of view is that it's almost we almost forget about it is like even we do looking out and looking into a race is that each and every one of these bike riders, although they do have a job, they want to do the best in every race. And Almeida's a... a an example of that, even though the stage win's not up for grabs, he still wants to do the best he can. And being called back by someone in your team that's getting dropped and losing time all the time, it is frustrating for that person to do it. It's kind of like, I'm feeling good as well. Like, when do I get my chance? Like, how long is this going to go on for? Um, and I think Remco, being quite young, that that experience lacks a little bit in terms of he's not going to gain a lot from Almeida dropping back on that climb in particular. You're not going to get an aero advantage by sitting on his wheel. You might get a bit of comfort, but I think he's just stamping his authority on him saying, I am the leader still. Whereas I think he needs to realise in that situation that just let him go on in front. He's, you know, he's, he's obviously climbing better than I am, but it's hard to take if you're a leader as well. I think that if your teammates almost being better than you, that that happens, it's almost like he doesn't want to believe it. Yeah, no, I just think that there's... um. You know, Remco's getting tired as well. He's probably getting a bit grouchy. Um, you know, just in terms of that, he's not, you know, kind of, he's drifted off and, you know, he's it's a grind and you want to be, you don't want to be on your own and isolated. And we've got a teammate who's lost a bucket of time and you're the team leader. You're up there on GC, top five, top six, whatever. And Almeida is still in that group with the, when it's still considerably quite big. You know, there wasn't like down to three riders. It was still like 10, 11, 12 guys. Um, and you've got a teammate in there who's clearly, you know, got better legs than suggests it suggests where his position is. Um, and Remco's, you know, way over there, we were tooling back from the team car and then he was, you know, trying to sort of call up to him as well and he wasn't doing as he's told. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mess there really. And, and I think that stems from that first weekend when we heard about Sam Bennett and then we heard about Amada and, it's just something's not been right since. It's not the you know, the writing was on the wall there that there's you know, that that normally doesn't end well when mm. you get into the race. I think as well though when it comes deeper into the races and Almeida's still there and Remco and it's for the stage win and they know it is. That's when we might see the fight back a little bit from Almeida. He's been very good at the minute, slowing down, waiting as Remco's asking for, get into a stage win situation and he's asking him to slow down. Maybe I think that's when you know you've got to really Almeida. He has to make that decision as well, leaving at the end of the year. If I do go for this and win, how can they be mad at me? How can Remco be? Um, so it is tough for him, but I do think when they get into a stage where he might be there to win the stage, what will happen then? And that's really up to the directors then to make that call rather than those two riders. 
why send them in as joint leaders in the first place and then come out and say that actually we knew... The unknown about Remco. We're still unknown. He's unknown. Every day it's unknown for him. And I think that's the reason why they did it. And, you know, it's all right sending them in saying the joint leaders. Almeida's lost a lot of time, which has benefited Remco massively because he is the outright leader, leader at the minute. But I think they need to switch their focus a little bit. I know it's still early on in the race to say that in terms of what could happen. So we've seen it in the past happen. Um, but I just think the way that Remco's descending looks a bit nervous. Um, and Almeida, he's, he's obviously been here before last year in the Giro and he's got confidence from that. Whereas, as I just said, Remco's learning every day about his body. Almeida's eight minutes and 32 behind now. Remco is four minutes behind, nearly four minutes behind on GC. Mm. Where do they go from here? How do they... Are they are they purely stage hunting now? Are they looking to work one of them back into the, well, not yeah. into the top 10 on GC? I don't think top 10 is really a... Um a big result for a team like that. I think they're going to have to win a stage at some point. Um, that might be Almeida's, really. They might have promised that hip to him. You know, that yeah, just yeah, a bit yeah. Of a... Let's not forget as well, Almeida probably would have been only a minute, maybe a minute and a half behind Remco now if they'd have let him carry on in the... Strada Bianca. Strada Bianca. Yeah. So it's kind of like that point where, for a team, you've got to back your leader, of course, but ultimately you never know what might happen. As I just said, if they'd have let him get that time back... Uh, and just go with the leaders on. He might have been able to fe- follow um, Egan on that day and made up masses of time. And then he might be in a position now where he's sat a minute behind Remco. He's obviously got better legs than him. It's it's a very hard decision to make, I think. But it's um, I think you're, it's easy to look back on stuff and say that. But I think for Almeida's point of view, it might be that a little bit. Yeah. Can we see Remco getting to the end of the tour? Or do we think he'll, yeah, he'll I quit think so. early? Yeah, I think he's got to finish, really, because it's, um, it's a great experience for him. You know, I think Remco... He's going to have to fight for a top ten still. I think. I think that would be a great result for him. Nine months away, first Grand Tour, top ten. Maybe the times we've been a bit guilty, put a bit too much pressure on him. But that's that's what happens when you're a supreme talent like he is, and you've been winning for fun at times. And you know, I think he's putting the pressure on himself though by putting does. this leadership on himself as well. He's he's he's, he's almost defensive. He's a very low, it, yeah. aggressive guy, and not aggressive on the on. You know, he's very confident. You, know, you have to look at his body language in interviews. He stands there with his hands on his hips every interview. Mm. And that's a very, like, look at me. I am the guy, you know. And it's, that's... <laughs> no, but it is. It's a very confident stance. Yeah, you know? it's and he's confident on his social media when he's talking. Hi, hey, everybody. I'm going to do a challenge today. I'm going to ride 500 kilometers. And, and you know, he's he's confident. And he's a team leader. And we saw that today, the way he called up for our maiders to come back. Um, he's going to be a great, great champion one day. And, you know, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, they they believe in him. He signed a five-year contract this year, didn't he? Five-year contract, yeah. What's and a deal with Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut Ambassador. Pizza Hut Ambassador? Yep. <sighs> yeah, I know. Oh, there's Now you've made it. In Belgium, because they don't have the good pizza. And pizza is well-renowned in Belgium. Pizza in Belgium. I have Pizza Hut in Belgium. Yeah. yeah and actually. Kenny's Waffles. <laughs> and Kenny's Waffles is next to Pizza Hut. Waffles are us. Back to the Giro. And Back to the Giro. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> what is wrong with the Pizza Hut? We talk about it. Nothing's wrong. I, I, I could talk He's about the official ambassador for Pizza Hut. Did you know that, Graham? Uh, I, I didn't, didn't know that. I've learned something new it's today. It's to me, yeah. Mm. And, and, we, and we, like, we like learning new things on this podcast. What's new to Giacomo Nizzolo is a stage win. A stage Giro. win, yeah. Uh, a a stat we're all... Uh, anyone in cycling wasn't happy for him. He's a great lad, isn't he? He's yeah, a really fantastic nice bloke. He treats everyone the same, which is beautiful, I think. He speaks good English. He's a Larry Warbass lookalike. And he, um, great eyebrows he's got a lovely set of eyebrows they're not too close together and he doesn't have them um, sewn, threaded whatever you want to call them he's, um, <laughs> no he is he's a top bloke but yeah he's lost the record now hasn't he the most second place in the Giro d'Italia 
well, I still, I still got the the most second place. Yeah, but he can't get it anymore because he's won a stage. Sure, yeah. in, in consecutive second place yeah. without winning. Yeah, we saw him surf the wheels after Afini went off the front. Yeah, I mean, Afini was, was, and he was super strong today as well. Afini working for George Bennett. On, yeah. on, on that final climb, particularly, yeah, yeah he, he he ran himself ragged in the end. Um, what do you think this means for George in the tour? Do you think he's going to be in that tour team? Love it. I don't know. It, it shifts, doesn't it, massively? I think. Uh, I thought he was a real, real like important rider for for Rolic for the tour. I, I definitely yeah. agree, but I don't know if he's just going a bit too hard here, and you know, and he's not really got the form. And it. I just think he's a little bit inexperienced at riding in the break and what he expects from himself. I think you know, going in the break every day and then almost trying to win each stage. I think he's. He expects a lot from himself, but he doesn't realise what is taken out of him. But I think a good example of someone that's come into it as a GC leader is almost Richie. So good at being a domestique, but you put that pressure on someone to perform. Sometimes they're just not capable of yeah. mm. capable of it. Back to Afini briefly. Do we think that Nizzolo wins that stage if Afini doesn't go off the front and sort of cause that that chaos in the yeah, sprint we behind? Say, we yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely aided him because he. Um, he got he had a he had a carrot out there to, you know dangled in front of him and he 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 switched across the road and took the sort of slink slipstream and then sort of catapulted off that wheel and that really aids you in a sprint like that you know having something to go for um, so no he probably wouldn't have done actually because he'd come from a long way back and he started his sprint and his effort from a long way back. He said afterwards, "I'm still completely confused and don't really know whether to be proud or disappointed." Have either of you done anything like that in your career where you've you've sort of thought afterwards, "Oh, I don't, I don't really know what I was." What I was doing there—that was a, a moment of madness, so to speak. Not that I can really think of, to be honest. Nothing from you, Brad. Nothing, nothing unexpected. Where you sort of thought afterwards, oh, hold on a sec, wasn't it? Wasn't no, expecting that. No, surely not that Tora Romandy sprint. Um, no, well, I don't know. It's hard. I always knew I was capable of that. I just never really got involved. You know, I don't know anything. Right? Anything you wish you'd done that you you held yourself back from doing? Um, attacking more and trying to win a mountain stage. I finished second, third, fourth on a lot of mountain stages, particularly in the Vuelta and stuff. And there was times <clears throat> I could have won a stage, um, but I was happy to just sort of play the GC role. Always thinking the bigger picture, never in the moment. Yeah. Was it, which mountain, if you could, I was going to ask you this, because obviously with the, the Zonkland um, today, which mountain, if you could have pick, if you could pick any mountain in, uh, oh, in if cycling, I could have won one. if you could have won on any mountain, M- which Mont one would Ventoux, it be? Mont Ventoux, without doubt. In 2009? Yeah. No, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, yeah, that would have been ideal, but just if I could... Yeah, but obviously just in a, um, yeah, Mont Ventoux would have been very special because of the Tom Simpson connection. Yeah, yeah. you rode up there with a picture of Simpson on your... I did, that uh, year, ...on your yeah, stem, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Adam? Probably just training a bit more. Which mountain, though? Oh, I'm not into mountains, mate. It's no, not my, I, it's I, not my I gig. Not, but... I'd have never even dreamed of it, so it's it yeah. never been on my radar whatsoever. Um, so no, I can't say I'd have... If there's any mountain I could win up, I've never really thought about it. Never going to happen, never would happen, so it's never crossed my radar. All right, we'll be back with more from the Bradley Wiggins Show after this. Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists. This is bicycle insurance made for everyone, from Grand Tour winners to cyclists hitting the pedals for the first time. Lacquer has transformed traditional insurance with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month, meaning you could pay nothing if nobody claims. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Claims are handled by Lacquer's team of cycling experts and usually agreed within a day, with no depreciation or excess. The Bradley Wiggins Show listeners can get their first 30 days free 
head over to www.laka.co and sign up using the code WIGGINS. Brad, tomorrow we've got possibly another one for the breakaway. 147 kilometres. I said yeah. to Adam at the start, we've seen seven successful breakaway wins yeah. out of 14 stages so far. Stage 15 tomorrow, uh, Grado to Gorizia. Uh, short enough stage for the break to be successful in my eyes. What are we What are we thinking? I think the break will go away again and stay away. I think it's, um, yeah, I just think we're getting into the sort of, there's enough time gaps now as well, enough big time gaps for lots of riders. We saw Nibali fall away again. I think he's going to try and get in a move in the next week now and trying to, you know, success for Vincenzo is a stage win now. And there's, there's a lots of riders like that that's still got sort of semi-good legs that, um, you know, Peter Sagan as well. He's still looking pretty strong, isn't he? You know, he's still in the Chiclamino jersey. There's lots of guys now that are way out of it. Um, and, and, and it will suit Ineos. Ineos is now really, their mind is set on Milan and winning this judo. So they're going to, this is really into the sort of the business end now of the race. And um, where those days where Ineos take up the riding, there's enough time gaps and they'd, they'd like nothing more than to see a big group go away and uh, with no dangers and, and, and take up the spoils. Will the GC guys and the GC teams particularly be looking forward to or looking ahead to Monday and five? You've got five thousand seven hundred yeah. meters of climbing well, that's on Monday. It. With that in mind, so they're looking to yeah. conserve exactly, exactly that. So the guys that go up in the break know that they're not going to do anything on that day, you know. And so that tomorrow's a big opportunity for for the other half of the race that are here to win stages now. Adam, how do you see it playing out tomorrow? Breakaway, similar to what we've seen the last few days. Uh, breakaway. We're not going to see the big climbers so much in there, but more of the rulers. Uh, the likes of Taco van der Horn, those kind of people. Um, and even maybe Peter Sagan, mm. uh, I think with a few bonus sprints up for grabs, um, that they might even try and keep it together for a, a bunch sprint maybe. I think it's not too hard tomorrow. It's difficult enough, but we could see the sprinter teams, the ones with the strong climbers, Gaviria is another one, um, try to you know, keep it together as much as they can. But it's an open book really. This Giro has been so unpredictable in what we've expected um, that we might see... Might see a bunch sprint, might see Egan take more time. We just don't know. The Malia Ciclimino Sagans to lose in the same way that we'd be surprised if we didn't see Bernal in pink come Milan. Yeah, I'd say so. He's he looks on good form, doesn't he? And I think when you watch at the start of today's days, especially he's he's policing moves a little bit, he's looking at the moves and if he deems that, you know, it's a too big a group or whatever, it's a too small a group, he'll if the group was too small, he he followed attacks. And then obviously if he's following attacks, people are following as well. So he's trying to get a big enough group to go away so all the points have gone uh, so he doesn't have to worry about it. So yeah, he's, he's very clever riding and ultimately that's why he wins these jerseys because how clever he is at, you know, not getting points almost and stopping other riders getting points. bit of history before we go, Brad, and uh, a plug for our sister podcast, Recycle by Eurosport. Gino Bartoli and the Tour of Regeneration in 1946. Look out for that one, the first yeah. tour ridden after the Second World War. Should be a good listen. Know anything about that one? No, not really. A Bartley copy rivalry. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's, it's legendary that rivalry and that. But um, I mean, obviously, they're both in, in their death as well. So romanticised. They're the, the two big names of cycling and in Italy, and still are to this day. And um, any one of the stories and the rivalry between them two is a, is a good listen. So make sure you tune into that one. Mm. Orla will be back with us tomorrow. Before we go, thank you once again to Adam Blythe. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Are you back on comms for us next week? No, that's it now. One more day tomorrow, doing? and then I'm done for the Giro. Sadly. He's out of here. Pleasure uh, to have you with us as ever. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast. Adam, where can we look out for you on social media? 
Uh, Adam Blythe 89. I'll also be at the Tour de France with Bradley on the back of a motorbike. Not he with will. Bradley. Not on the same motorbike. Not on the same motorbike. <laughs> but on two separate motorbikes. Not when the viewers are watching, anyway. Are you with NBC? NBC, yeah. NBC. Yeah. America's so, finest channel. Something okay, to look we forward can, to there. Um, I'll be there with Eurosport. Bradbike.com. Brad, before then, where can we find you on social? So here we go. And you can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks to our producer, Pete Burton. And finally from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us. Adam, thanks again for joining us. Thanks. Brad, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.